You're listening to the Sports Moment. January 23rd, 2024. Part of the Sports Moments and Memories with Craig Olson podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss a sports moment. Sponsored by Pemberton Law. And Lake Area Docks and Lifts. Welcome to uh, the podcast, Sports Moments and Memories with Craig Olson. And last night was a fun night, uh, kind of a step back in time at uh, the Otter Old Gym, the Otter Field House, Roosevelt Gym, where the Otters and the Moorhead Spuds had a doubleheader of high school basketball. And it was a great crowd. The alumni pep band was in attendance and entertaining And also, uh, Minnesota Motor Company picked up the tab. Everybody got in free last night. So, uh, what a great community service that was to allow everybody to come and watch the action on the Minnesota Motors dime last night. And uh, the fans were into it, and they should have been, especially that uh, boys game last night was, uh, was a good one. The girls game started out kind of slow for the Otters as they fell behind 15 to 4. And then after that, they played more head even the rest of the way, actually scored two more points than the Spuds after that point, wound up a short 59-50, to 50, the final score. They struggled with their shooting. They hit only 22% from the field in that game. But Bryn Sternberg had 25 to lead the Otters, and she also grabbed seven rebounds. Julia Hychek, who has really come on in recent games, had nine points, five rebounds, and three assists. And Hattie Fullhart had a nice uh, game as well with seven points, seven rebounds, and four assists. But the Otters unable to uh, get the win last night at the old gym against Moorhead. They will try to bounce back tonight when they host Ricori back at the Kennedy Secondary School for that one. Now, the boys' game, the Otters really started fast, just the opposite of what the girls did. Otters jumped out to a double-digit lead. They held a double-digit lead much of the night, and it wasn't until about the six-minute mark of the second half that Moorhead got the lead. And from that point on, the lead was back and forth. It was a pretty uh, exciting finish. Moorhead was able to win 71-67. to and they had a couple of guys who really excelled. Uh, Dylan Zimmerman in the second half was outstanding. He had four points at halftime, finished with 27. He made six threes in the second half. I mean, he was hitting from everywhere and just had a great second half. 27 points, 11 rebounds, four blocked shots for Zimmerman. And DJ Smith had a double-double as well for the Spuds uh, with 29 points and 10 boards. And the Otters had good balance, and they had a huge night from Ryan Hurst. Ryan had 19 points, 15 rebounds, four blocked shots, and a couple of assists. Henry Bethel led the Otters with 20 points and also added seven rebounds. Uh, Hayden Knick was good. He had 14 points, made three threes in the game. And Alex Ellison put together a nice night, too, 10 points and a couple of assists. The Otters have played really well against some stiff competition. They've been right there at the end of games, but have not been able to close out the victory. So they are on a six-game losing skid and now have a record of 5-8. and eight. 
One of the really exciting things last night, too, was reconnecting with Bob Yorkland and Steve Atchison, the head coach and assistant coach for the Otters for many years back in the 80s and into the 90s, and some very good Otter basketball teams, three state tournament teams those guys were part of. And they had a lot of big matchups with Moorhead. One of the cool things about that dynamic of Coach Bjorklund and Coach Atchison is Atch is a Moorhead Spud grad and was an outstanding player for the Spuds in his day. And then he had to coach the Otters and coach against the Spuds, and he became an Otter too. So uh, that was kind of a cool thing that they had going on back then. And, and we used to play Moorhead sometimes four times in a season. Well, I caught up with Bob and was able to reminisce a little bit about his days as the Otter coach, and in particular, asked him to share some memories about what he remembers about battling Moorhead. Well, uh, Moorhead memories in this gym. I think back to 1990 uh, when we uh, we played Moorhead here and we outscored him 30-3 to in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so um, they uh, went on to beat us then at their place. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but he got, shot kind of a hook shot from the corner of the gym and, and uh, put in a hook shot to win the game. And then we went on to beat them in the, uh, in the section tournament. So that was a Moorhead memory from 1990. A Moorhead memory from 1982 is one that I think uh, some of the old timers will remember but it's when uh, uh, we had a four-point lead right at the end of the third quarter and uh, Moore had an opportunity for a breakaway basket and a kid named Linus if I've got the name right pulled the bank board down on his way to dunk it <laughs> so in the midst of that uh, they called him for hanging on the rim and we made a couple of free throw shots and then uh, there was like six seven seconds left in the quarter so we had like an hour to drop an uh, inbounds play <laughs> Scored off the inbounds play and, and went on to win. Um, oh boy, I just, you know, so many of those times with Chuck Goldsvig standing on the sidelines before the game and the adrenaline flowing and, uh, you know, we'd often play Moorhead, well, we'd always play him twice a year, but then oftentimes three times a year because of the tournament game and then even sometimes four times because there was a Christmas tournament where we would match up with each other. So if you look at the, the records from those couple of decades, we probably played Moorhead more than anybody else. Bob Bjorklund, the longtime head coach of the Otters, recalling special memories in that Otter Fieldhouse and the Roosevelt Gym against the uh, Moorhead Spuds. And there were some, some outstanding games uh, between those teams in those years. Of course, Bob was the coach of the Otters in 1984 when they went to state for the first time since the 1957 squad made it. And we're going to be focusing on that 84 team a little later on this uh, winter as uh, we get toward tournament time and have a feature podcast featuring a number of interviews with players from that team and Coach Bjorkland and Coach Atchison. So be sure to be watching for that here on uh, Sports Moments and Memories as well. Other scores last night, Henning won their game 70-58. to as they uh, defeated Browerville Eagle Valley last night. Ashby was a 53-31 winner over Breckenridge. Brandon Evansville won 65-56 over Swanville. Micah Fuller has really been in a, a groove. He had 35 at Target Center Saturday. He had 27 last night for the Chargers. And Battle Lake won their game against Rotsay 63-48 in uh, boys basketball last night. 
Well, Lake Area Docks and Lifts is one of our sponsors, and they invite you to the Fargo Dome this weekend, the Fargo Dome Boat Show. They're going to have a booth there. You can check it out as they're getting ready for spring and summer, and I'm sure you are too. Lake Area Docks and Lifts, serving you from five different locations around Lakes Area. What a night last night in the NBA. One of the nights involved the Carl Anthony Towns. More on that in a minute. But we have to start with Joel Embiid of Philadelphia as he became the ninth player in NBA history to score 70 points in a game. And he broke Wilt Chamberlain's 76ers franchise record of 68 points in the process. He wound up with 70 points as the Sixers beat San Antonio 133-123. to He added 18 rebounds and 5 assists, uh, which is quite a night for Embiid, who made 21 out of 23 free throws in uh, the game last night. And here's the thing about what Embiid did last night. Only one time in the history of the NBA has a player averaged more than a point a minute in a season, and that was Wilt Chamberlain. Through 32 games this year, Embiid has 1,156 points in 1,096 minutes. So he is on a pace to score more than one point per minute, and that's something only Wilt Chamberlain has done. Embiid has won the NBA scoring title in each of the past two seasons, He's now averaging 36.1 points a game, a full three points better than what he posted in his MVP-winning campaign. Well, Carl Anthony Towns scored a franchise record for the Timberwolves last night. He had 62 points, including 44 in the first half, but the Charlotte Hornets erased an 18-point deficit and stunned the Timberwolves 128 to 125 at Target Center last night. They outscored him 36 to 18 in the fourth quarter when Towns went cold. He was two for 10 shooting in the fourth quarter. And he had a, a great night shooting the ball overall, 21 for 35, but his uh, touch left him in that critical fourth quarter. He also hit 10 out of 15 from three-point range, and he now owns the top three scoring outputs in the Wolves' 35-year history. But the loss was a, a bad loss. Charlotte is the NBA's number 27 team in offensive rating, and they shot a season-high 58.1% from the floor. Coach Chris Finch was not happy. His quote after the game, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball all through the game. He was not happy. The loss is only the fourth all season at home for the Wolves, but they have dropped back-to-back -back home games now after they had that four-game winning streak. Now they go to Washington to face the Wizards on a Wednesday night. Hopefully they bounce back strong because right now their lead in the Western Conference is down to a half game over Oklahoma City and Denver. The Minnesota Gopher men's basketball team will be hosting the Big Ten leader, Wisconsin, tonight. Wisconsin has won the last six contests they have played against Minnesota, including the past four games by six or less points. So I don't know if it'll be that close tonight. 
Let's hope so. Six o'clock is game time at Williams Arena. Wisconsin is 14 and four overall, and they lead the Big Ten at six and one. They rebounded after a loss at Penn State on January 16th to defeat Indiana in Madison, Wisconsin last Friday. And Minnesota is coming into tonight's game at 12 and six overall, three and four in the Big Ten. They're coming off a loss at Michigan State and trying to get back on track. They play at Penn State on Saturday night, so they've got a couple of tough Big Ten opponents here, Wisconsin tonight and Penn State on Saturday, as uh, they have a, a very busy week ahead of them. And the Minnesota Wild are on a, a nice little run now. After they lost eight of nine games, they have now won three of their last four. They're getting healthy, which has made all the difference in the world. And they will be taking on the Washington Capitals tonight at 7 p.m. at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul. They've played Washington once before this year back in October, and the Capitals won that one 3-2. So this will be the final game of their uh, two games on the schedule. Uh, Minnesota has 45 points and are buried deep in the Central Division standings, but they're starting to creep up again with the success they've had in their recent games. You know, one of our sponsors that we appreciate uh, so much on our podcast is the Pemberton Law Firm. You can visit them at their various locations around the region, in Fergus Falls, in Wadena, in Detroit Lakes, and in Alexandria. Or you can go online and visit them that way, PEMLaw.com. Pemberton Law carries a legacy of trustworthy and reputable legal representation dating back to 1883. A couple of baseball notes for you. Big day in baseball because today's the day we find out who's elected to the Hall of Fame and who will be in that class of 2024. Jim Leland, who was the manager for the Pirates, the Marlins, the Rockies, and the Tigers over an illustrious 22-year managerial career, was voted in by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee last month. Well, today we find out who will be joining him from the Baseball Writers Association of America Hall of Fame ballot. That announcement will come uh, late this afternoon. And Joe Maurer is right there among the uh, top contenders to be elected in his first year on the ballot. The consensus is that Adrian Beltre has the best chance of being elected in this his first year on the ballot. In fact, among the public ballots that have been revealed so far, Beltre has received 99% of the votes, so I'm going to say he's a lock. Meanwhile, Maurer's numbers among voters who have revealed their ballots so far have been surprisingly strong for his first ballot. The Twins great has received 83.5% of the vote. So hopefully Maurer can get in on the first time that he is on the ballot. Todd Helton, the former Rockies slugger, and Billy Wagner, outstanding reliever for the Astros for many years, they are both thought to be uh, up there among the, the leaders as well, but we'll find out for sure uh, this afternoon who is elected to the Hall of Fame and who will be in that class of 2024 when they are inducted in July. Thank you so much for joining us for Sports Moments and Memories with Craig Olson. Come back again tomorrow, won't you? Have a great day. You've been listening to the Sports Moment with Craig Olson. 
Sponsored by Pemberton Law and Lake Area Docks and Lifts. Produced by Sunroom Lab. Music by Blue Red Roses. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and thanks for listening.